Let it go. We were just talking with my wife, I confess. Uh, I'm flying tonight to Chile, my country, which is a little bit far away from here. And um, so my wife, I was telling her, let me go, let, let, let me go. Um, okay, it's a summer celebration. We're so happy that we are having one of the hottest summers in the last decade. Did you know that? So it's great. Uh, it's the first time I go to see so much with my children at 8 p.m. in the lake, Zurich Lake. It's just awesome. So if you're going to swim today, after in the lounge, it's great that you share it with others so maybe they can join you. I wish I could, but have to take a plane. I want to speak to you today about something that I believe God has been bringing in my heart for the last years, actually. And I want to speak to you today about something that I call the mystery of the church. And yes, I said the word mystery, because I believe that when you are having a relation, relationship with the Holy Spirit, when you are spending time in the secret place with God, and when you are reading his words, his scripture, I believe that when you are doing that and you're spending time with him, even the most simple things of the Bible, they can become so huge and so big and so glorious, so amazing. And that's why I call this the mystery of the church, because although we might know quite a lot about it, you know, like maybe you went to, to a theological school sometime, uh, there's something called ecclesiology, which is the study of the, of the church in theology. So maybe, maybe you do know some of this. You know, we know that the church is not a building. We know that the church is actually people. But I believe that when we start listening to the Holy Spirit, we can start understanding more and more about what the church is. So I invite you today into this journey about what the church is. I want to read a, a Bible verse that Jesus replied to Peter in a moment when Peter said, let me say this statement first. Peter said to Jesus, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And right after this statement, uh, Jesus said the following. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. I don't, I don't know if you know, but the name of, of uh, Peter is, was actually Simon. And Jesus changed, changed his name into Cephas, which is uh, Peter or Petra, which means rock. So Jesus changed his name. So Jesus is reminding Peter about this. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What a powerful statement from Jesus. Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say I am? What is the people talking about me? And they say, well, some of them say that you are uh, John the Baptist. Some of them say that you are Jeremiah or one of the, or Elijah or one of the prophets of the Old Testament. 
Some of them have their own opinion, just like today. You know that there's people who have their own opinions about Jesus, about who Jesus is, and they stick to it. That it's so difficult to move them from there because they say, "No, I believe or I think he, Jesus is like this or that." But then Jesus asks a second question, and he looks at them and he says, "He says, who do you say I am?" And I wonder what would be your answer and my answer if we were standing before Jesus and he would ask you, who do you say I am? Who I am? And you know what? This question, the answer to this question defines eternity for people. The answer to this question defines whether you are part of the church or whether you are not part of the church. I know it sounds, it might sound harsh, but you know, Jesus said, I am the truth. I'm the way. I am the life. And besides me, there is no other way to the Father. Jesus is the only way. So the answer to this question defines where we spend our future. And this is where the church starts. Because then, after Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, Jesus tells him, you know, Peter, what you just had was a revelation. You, you didn't hear, you didn't learn this from humans. You learned this from the Father because he revealed to you who I am. And then he, Jesus says something very important that many people have confused through the centuries. Many people think that Peter is the rock upon which the church is built. Many people think that what Jesus is doing is setting Peter as the foundation of the church. But if that was true, we would be in a big trouble because Peter was a man with a lot of issues like you and me, and the church could not be built on one person like a human being like Peter or like you or like me. But Jesus is saying, you know, Peter, you just had a revelation and upon this rock, your name is rock. So I use your name in a prophetic way to say, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon the revelation of who I am, I will build my church. The church is built upon the revelation of who Christ is. In other words, the church is built on Jesus. He is the rock. He is the foundation of the church. He is the one who sustains the church. He is the one who feeds the church, who provides for the church, who guides the church, who rules the church. Jesus Christ is the only foundation of the church. But then Jesus goes even further. And that's why I said mystery at the beginning. Because he says, you know, not even the gates of hell will prevail against the church. Not even them will overcome it. Jesus is saying there's nothing that will stop my church. And I tell you, it's been already 2,000 years. The church has gone through difficult times, difficult situations. Many have died, martyrs of Christ. Many have given their lives for the sake of the church, for the sake of the gospel. Governments, empires, 
powerful people decided we will wipe these people away from earth. But the church is still standing today in the world. Their brothers and sisters, even dying today in the Middle East, with all these wars, religious wars, IS, IS, and all these things. And they think they will stop the church. But they are wrong because the church is unstoppable. There's nothing that can stop the church of Christ because it is founded on Jesus. It is founded on Jesus. They are giving warnings in those cities. They are saying, we give you 10 days for all the Christians in these cities to go away because otherwise we will kill you. They think they're going to make it. They will kill many Christians, many brothers and sisters. A few weeks ago, we had testimonies here about, here about that. But they will not stop the church of Jesus Christ. And then Jesus goes even further. He says, you know, church, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is giving authority. And I could not spend this message or the whole year talking about this because it, we, we would need a lifetime to understand it. There is such a power. There is such an authority upon the church. The church is not a religion. The church is not an organization. The church is just not a group of people who gather together because they have something in common. The church, the church was not created by man. The church is a creation of God. And there is so much authority and power that you might not even know it. You might not even ima imagine it. But there's so much power in the church. Authority from God in the church. And I believe we are living in a, such a crucial time in these years. I believe even here in Europe, the Holy Spirit is waking up the church to start understanding what he has put upon us, the authority he has given to us. Last week, there was a gathering, the Awakening Europe gathering, because of the very same reason, because there are some people who had revelation, who understood, they were reading God's word, and they said, like, no, come on. All the things God has promised to us are real, are truth, are absolute. So that should happen. That should be real. That should be touchable. And that's why they gathered more than 20,000 people last week in Germany the, from different backgrounds, different countries, different churches or uh, different uh, places that they traveled to Germany just to be together. For what? To stand before the Lord, to worship the Lord, to pray before the Lord and to tell the Lord, here we are. Here we are. I come from Latin America, at the very south. And you know, I grew up, when I came to church, I grew up listening that Europe is a continent that it's cold, it's dry in the spiritual realm. That they were great before in the Middle Ages. Lots of things happened here in Europe with the gospel. But today, they, they are like sleeping and I refuse, I refuse to think that it will continue like that. 
because there is a church in Europe. There is a church in Switzerland. Whether you believe it or not, there is a church. And because there is a church, there is power of God. And the Holy Spirit will not stop calling out his children to say, hey, wake up, rise up. You are the church of Christ. And there is authority in the church. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I tell you with all my heart, with humbleness and with fear of the Lord, and I take it so seriously, but in the name of Jesus Christ, I tell you, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit because he is crying out for his church today in this country, in Europe, and in the world. He is calling you to be what you were called to be. You were created for this. Yeah, it's, it might be hard to believe sometimes, but what you need is faith and to say, Lord, here I am. And I promise you, not, not on my name, but on God's name, I promise you that when you start telling the Lord, here I am, Lord, here I am, change me, use me. I want to see this kingdom that you talk about. I want to experience this kingdom that you talk about. I can promise you, as I said before, not on my name, but on God's name and on his word, that he will answer to you and you will see things that you never saw before. It's available for you and for me. And very briefly, I want to mention the three aspects of the church. The church as the house of God, the church as the bride of Christ, and the church as the body of Christ. In first place, the church is the house of God which is built with living stones. And let me read to you, please, 1 Peter chapter 2. There are many verses in the Bible that speak about the church being the house of God, but I, I want to read this to you. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. It's talking about, about Jesus, the living stone. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Peter is saying that we are living stones that build this house. It, this house is being built, a spiritual house. And when you look for a house, when you want to buy a house, when you want to build a house, you are thinking on a place where you can live and where you can rest your place. When God sees the church as the house of God, it is exactly the same because he created the church to live in the church. And it's not a cliche, it's not a nice word or a symbolic word. No, he means it. He created the church to live in the church. In the Old Testament, he told Moses to build up the tabernacle. And he built it, uh, Moses built it, and the glory of God came. And although the tabernacle couldn't contain God, because God is a lot bigger, God manifested himself in the tabernacle. And the Bible says that the, the latter the will be better than the earlier things. 
That means that this house is more glorious than the tabernacle. That means that you and I, because we are the house of God, we can experience the manifestation of the presence of God, the glory of God, the power of God. In the Old Testament, they used to see a cloud. They used to call it Shekinah, the, a cloud of the glory of God filling this house. Today, we can also see it. We can also experience it. I know, sadly, that there are many Christians around the world that prefer to leave these things aside and say, you know, let me live a normal life. I don't want to get into this supernatural thing. Let me sit here and be just quiet and normal. Okay, good for you, good for them, but I don't want. I want everything God has promised for me and for the church. I want to see it. I want to experience it. And I told God many years ago, I said, God, if you are real, and I believe you are, I want to see everything I see in the Bible happening. I want to see it happening in my life in my family, in my ministry, and in our church. And I have seen it many times. So I challenge you, challenge you to be the house of God. But also, the church is the bride of Christ. And the church is the bride of Christ, and it means that we have a love relationship with him. We can get to know his heart. We can hear his heart. There's intimacy. It's a privilege that nobody else has in this world, only the church. The heart of Jesus is open for the church, and you can get to know him. You can, get to, you can get to hear, to listen to his heart, to see his heart. If it's hard to believe, I challenge you to, with a humble heart to tell the Holy Spirit, show me the heart of Jesus. It is possible for the church. It is a privilege that God has placed for the church. It is for you. Don't miss it. It is for you. You are his bride. You are his pretty bride. And you can listen to his heart. You can get into his heart. And I'm not talking like this because I'm Latino and because we're passionate when we speak. I'm talking like this because the Bible says that. And that gets me so excited and so happy because I believe it. I believe we can see his heart. We can hear, we can listen to his heart. And it's so precious, so precious to be in the secret place with our loved one, with Jesus. That's also available for us. And the Bible says that Jesus will come back one day and he's going to take his bride and he's going to marry her. And let's read the book of Revelation, chapter 19, almost at the end of Revelation. It describes this wedding and it goes like this. For the wedding of the Lamb has come. And his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people.
church is the bride of Christ and he's coming back for her and he will marry her. Can we give an applause of gratefulness, joy? I don't know if you're waiting for that day, but I'm waiting. How would you feel, the men? How would you feel if, if you're getting married and your wife is like, yeah, I'm getting married. When? Oh, well, I think tomorrow on Thursday. You know, that, you want your wife to say, hey, yeah, I'm getting, I'm waiting, I'm excited. I'm, you know, I want to be like that for Jesus. I want to be in that group, you know, jumping out and say, yes, he's coming for me to marry me. And I will be in that wedding and I will be in that wonderful wedding, angels singing and our, our bridegroom coming, holding our hands to be together forever and ever. And there will be no more tear. There will be no more cry. There will be no more light because he is gonna be our light. There will be no more temple because he will be the temple. What a wonderful moment that will be. That's the church. You're not just something. You're his bride. Even if you have failed, even if your heart has been walking away from your loved one, from Jesus, he's calling you back right now, today, because he loves you. And at last, the church is also the body of Christ. You know, 1 Corinthians says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ. And it means that you are his hands. You are his legs. You are his members. And he wants to use you to reach out to other brothers and sisters and to the world. That's the way God works. Last week I was in a meeting, in a in, in staff meeting with people in the church. And we're talking about something else. And suddenly the Holy Spirit puts in my heart pray for the one who's on, on your, next to you. It was just so strong. And I was waiting until we were alone or like people were doing other things because I didn't want to interrupt others. And then I asked her and I said, can I pray for you? And I prayed for her and God started to give me words and she started to weep and to cry. And you know why those things happen? Is because we are his body and he uses us. He wants to use you to touch others. He wants to use you to reach others. And I want to tell you about a family that we have in our church, in our community. They, because of this, they have made a big decision. And tomorrow, this couple, this wonderful couple, they're flying, they're going to Africa to spend two years, around two years, serving God as the body of Christ there. Because they want to be his hands. They want to be his voice. They want to be his legs. They want to be used by God. Some of them will stay here. Some of you, we stay here. Some others go because we are his body. And I, I want to honor Leo and Christy Hofer today. I, please stand up, uh, Christy and Leo and Christy. So tomorrow they're making, a, they made a decision already and they're going. And because we're Christ's body, we want to tell you today we're with you. We come with you. And we pray for you and we cover you. You are protected by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we are with you as a family, as your brothers and sisters. And we can't wait for two more years when you come back and you use all your experience here. So be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. You are blessed and you are protected.
and we love you. And thank you for serving Christ. Thank you for doing what you are doing. Thank you for the price that you are going to pay. Amen. Sit down. And because of the body of Christ touches people from different backgrounds, you know, people with lots of education and money, that's also the body of Christ goes there, but also for people who are in need and in desperate situations. And I want to finish telling you a story about uh, a little kid that I know very well, so I am allowed to tell you this. This little kid represents someone who grew up in a family, a very poor family. In a poor area, they were the poorest family there. They didn't have water. They didn't have electricity. So he actually didn't get a shower. He would get a shower maybe once or twice a year when they got someone who would let them use it. His swimming pool was a little channel or a canal uh, outside of his house with a lot of garbage. And I'm sorry to say this, but also with uh, dead, dead dogs. And that's, that was his fun time. He would sleep with the same clothes the whole day. He would go, he would get up in the morning and he would just go out to ask for, for people to give him something to eat. People would give him bread, bread with uh, red or blue colors things with green because the bread was very old and very humid and he could eat and he was eating those things. He was only with his grandparents. But then his mom said, I'm coming back for you. I will take you with me. So she took him back and he started to live in a place where he had electricity now. The first day he was like playing like one hour with the switch, you know, first time he saw this thing. And, but then he started to realize that there was a big problem. His mother had alcoholic problems. So almost every month she would get drunk and he was alone with her. He was seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 years old, alone with his mom. And once a month, his mom would get drunk and she would try to kill herself. She would try to hit her head on the wall and she would tell him, I hate you, you are not my son. And at three o'clock in the morning, he would be knocking the doors on neighbor's houses, asking for help, please help me, please help me. And in the morning, when the sun came up, he would be happy because he knew that his mother was going to sleep after long nights. He was so afraid of Christmas, of New Year. Of, he was so afraid of any celebration because he knew that, that that was an excuse for his mother to get drunk. So he hated those times, those things. And he thought, he always thought as a child, when I grow up, when I have my job, with my first salary, I will buy a bottle of alcohol with the same brand that his mother was drinking. And he thought, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to break it. That's what I'm going to do. Because he hated the alcohol. But then she said, you know what? She said to him, I will change if I marry. And then she married when he was 12 or 13. She married a man and she stopped drinking. The problem is that the man she married was an alcoholic man, was a drug addicted man, and he was awful. He was involved in delinquency, so the house would get a lot of bad guys from gangs and sort of those things. Police would come to the house very often to, to, because of the problems. And this guy started to punch his mother. He was 11. He was 12. 
he was 13. And this guy who started to punch, they had a baby with this guy with his mother. And so now there was a baby to protect and a mother to protect. And he was 12, 13, 14. And at, when he was 14, he was so desperate, so desperate. But for the first time in his life, he cried out and he said, God, if you are listening somewhere, please help me because I can't not more. And that week, the body of Christ came to the neighborhood where he lived. And he heard them preaching the gospel. And when he heard them, he was like, wow, God is answering me. And he gave his life to Christ. His problems continue for four more years. But now he had Christ. So whenever the problems came, one hour before he knew there was going to be a big issue at home, he would pray and he would say, Jesus, you are with me. Jesus, you sustain me. And he would cry. He was afraid. But he would say, Jesus, I trust you. You are with me. And he lived that for four years. But now he had Christ. It was different. And he had a family, a Christian family, the body of Christ, who would constantly pray for him, help him. And they would tell him, although all the neighbors were cursing him and saying, this guy, this boy is going to be one of the toughest boys in this neighborhood. He's going to be in prison. He's going to be a drug addicted. He's going to be a bad guy because all his life he's been like that. Everybody was cursing him. But the church, the body of Christ, were praying for him and saying, now God has a future. God has a ministry. God has a calling for you. He's today about 38 years old. And today, that little kid is standing in this place before you. That's what Christ can do. That is what Christ can do through the body. That is what Christ can do through you. That is what God can do through you in Africa. There is so much power in the church. But sometimes we're just so busy our hearts running to other things, so concerned about our own life and goods. But you are the church. You are called by God to serve him, to be his house, to be his bride, to be his body. And I can hear the Holy Spirit crying out today here in this country and in Europe and in the whole world, calling his church to wake up, to take its position, to realize who we are, and to have a revelation of God's word, to understand that there is authority, there is power in us, not for us to be famous, not for us to have a place of glory for ourselves, but to bring glory to him, but to worship him, but to praise him, you are the church. Could you stand up, please? And I only want to ask one thing from you. 
with all my heart. Let me say it like this. I beg you to tell the Holy Spirit today, here I am, Lord, use me. If you can use anything, here I am, use me. Use me. I want to touch the world. I want to touch the world. I want to touch the world. Jesus said the following for him and for us as the church. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here we are, Lord. This is your church. This is your house. This is where you dwell. This is where you live. This is your house. This is your church. Take your place, Lord. Take it. It's yours. It belongs to you. Take your place. This is your bride. This is your bride. And this is your body. Here we are. We surrender and we yield to you in Jesus' name. Amen.